this episode today, we are joined by Rendrick Taylor, who is an assistant strength coach at Middle Tennessee State University, where he works specifically with baseball and football. Some deeper thoughts on how to manage fatigue with his baseball players and some of the specific tests as far as vertical jump, sprint speed, to try to see what the correlation between those particular tests are and obviously their on-field performance. Uh, we even get into you know his thoughts on ways that you can utilize some of these tests to determine when some of the pitchers should actually be starting, whether they're you know a Friday night starter or a Saturday starter. Uh, jam-packed episode here. Really excited to get you guys listening to this. Uh, Rendrick's a great guy, super you know calm, cool, collected. First time I met him, that's that's exactly how he came across, and I just kind of knew this guy's got some some deeper thoughts stored away in the brain, and we needed to we needed to dissect that. So. Um, yeah, I hope you guys enjoy this one. Welcome to the Samson Trend Coach Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Grasso. We are joined today by Rendrick Taylor. Uh, he is an assistant strength and conditioning coach at Middle Tennessee State University. Uh, he's got his bachelor's in special education from Clemson. It's also where he got his master's degree in community recreation and sport management. He is strength and conditioning coach certified through the CSCCA. It's the best I've ever done that. And he also holds a certification from USA Weightlifting. He's a level one performance coach. Uh, his coaching career kind of takes him to a few different places. Uh, NC State for quite some time, Clemson for quite some time. And uh, where he started is Godspeed Elite Training, which I'll allow him to kind of dive into in a bit. His playing career uh, stems from Clemson. He was also an undrafted free agent by the Tampa Bay Bucks, and he played for the Jacksonville Sharks in the Arena Football League. Um, so, Rendrick, welcome. Super pumped to have you. Obviously, I met you when uh, we played you guys uh, in the fall of 2021, I believe. Um, I knew right when I met you, obviously, that uh, you had this sort of like this calm, cool, collected aura about you. But usually those types of people tend to come across as like, uh, this guy knows something, you know what I mean? He's going, he knows yeah. something and he's not. So I was like, you know what, let me get him on the podcast. And sure enough, I was, when we first hopped on, you've had some, you know, you've got some things going on, you know, as far as like what you're doing with baseball over there and, and, and some thoughts on things. So, um, but first, before we get into it, uh, like I said, like I, said I just want to say thank you. Thank you for being flexible with this. Um, take us through, you know, your story of, of where this whole thing started and, and how it kind of led you to where you are now. Oh yeah, man. So for me, you know, I want to say thank you for giving me an opportunity to give me this platform. Um, for me, it started, you know, when I was in arena football, uh, we didn't have a strength conditioning coach. They gave us all gym memberships. And whenever I would go to the gym to train, a lot of the teammates would want to go with me, you know? So I started writing programs. I had no clue what I was doing. You know, I just put together some things that, you know, I remember from doing, you know, in college, um, some things that I enjoy, you know, doing on my own, you know, training wise. And a lot of my teammates like, man, you should be a coach. You should be a strength coach. Like, you know, you could do this. Like, we enjoy, you know, working out with you. And so from there, you know, I called around, tried to see if I could get any internships anywhere. And at Godspeed Elite um, Sports Performance in Jacksonville, that's kind of where, you know, I kind of started things out, you know, training people there. Had no clue what I was doing, just making people tired. <laughs> Don't know if I made anybody better, you know. But um, prior to that, man, I, I never had him vision myself being a strength coach you know I measured education um, I was going to be a teacher uh, be a principal and then superintendent you know and I had plans to go back home and just change the educational system you know where I was from you know but I feel like God had other plans you know and just fortunate that I'm still a teacher at heart and my classroom just became a weight room and now my students you know they're athletes and yeah. you know that's kind of take you know the approach 
Um, but once I finished interning at Gospel Elite, I called Clemson and magically they had a graduate assistant ship, you know, position open in the weight room, you know, and the coach like, well, you a weight room warrior uh, when you was here. And I think, you know, this would be something that you'll be great at, you know, so came in, put my head down, got to work, started to really learn, you know, everything and study, you know, day in and day out, got certified. And once I finished there, got my first full-time, you know, position at NC State. And at NC State, that's where I met Coach Hickman. And he got the head strength coach job here at Middleton State State. And then I had an opportunity, you know, come and join him because we had a great relationship. You know, we enjoyed working with each other. Yeah, that's awesome. That's an incredible story. And so to go back, obviously, uh, I forgot to mention that in the intro. Um, Clio, South Carolina, right? I'm pronouncing that correctly. Yeah. Is that, yeah. So yes, yeah, that's where you're from. And then, so initially you were like, all right, I want to go back to my hometown and kind of my home state, obviously, and try to figure out ways that I could provide better ed educational opportunities for people in that state. Um, and then it's so funny because of, obviously I think most people realize when you are a coach, you are a teacher, you know? And I think that that's yeah. kind of what you alluded to, right? Where it's like, um, you know, yeah, like you said, like your, your classroom just turned into a weight room and you're still providing education and informing young individuals on ways to better their life. Um, so that impact is obviously taking place. Uh, where, where was the point where you were kind of like, hmm, I'm not really sure if like the classroom is the route that I'm going to be able to make this impact, right? Like back in Clio and you're like, I think the weight room is a little bit more like, like, was that a difficult decision to come to? You know what I mean? When you kind of had to make that transition and kind of change that you're the, the path a little bit, the desires. Oh, yeah, it was, um, you know, it was very different for me because, you know, during that time in, you know, arena, having like different part time jobs, I was substitute teaching and I was building relationships, you know, with different principals, you know, at school and, you know, people, they were wanting to hire me, you know, to come in and be a full time, you know, teacher. And it was just something that I was excited about. But, you know, I just kept pulling, pulled away, you know, and called, you know, towards, you know, the training aspect, you know. Of things and whenever I would go into the weight room or I would go into the sports performance facility and train people and I just like I felt so much joy you know what I mean and so much you know peace and you know just sitting down just talking you know over it all you know with my wife and we kind of made a decision that you know well if you feel you know this happy and this excited you know about this opportunity then I think you should you know take it and so we packed up and you know went to Clemson to be I'm um, a graduate assistant, but it was very tough, man, because, you know, I enjoyed, you know, teaching as well, but it was just, you know, that pull and that longing to want to be, you know, in the weight room. And so I finally made a decision and, you know, I feel like it's been the best thing, you know, I've done. Yeah, absolutely. I think the two words you mentioned, joy and peace, are something I, I don't, I'll be honest, I haven't heard a strength coach describe that, uh, those two qualities as, some, as what they feel uh, towards what they do in a while, you know, and I think that that's kind yeah. of a, a good reminder to get back to what we originally should be feeling, obviously, when we're providing the information, the education that we are supposed to be providing, which is, it should bring some sense of, you know, meaningful you know, aspect to our life. It should bring some sense of peace and purpose and all that stuff. So um, it is, it is encouraging. So I do, we do need to go back though. Obviously what we were talking to, what we were talking about prior to getting on the podcast prior to starting is the, uh, the fact that you were a wide receiver when you were at Clemson. So I would imagine, right. Like we were talking, like you were probably one of the biggest wide receivers. You said like one of your coaches compared you to Anquan Bolden. Cause I'm like, I'm looking at like your, your profile, your Instagram profile. I'm like, man, this dude moves some serious weight. Like talk dense. Like this dude is thick. Right. And then I'm like, and I'm looking at your profile. I'm, I'm like, play wide receiver at Clemson. Like, what, what do you mean wide receiver? They must, they, that must be a typo. Like, dude must have played like linebacker, yeah. like DN or something like that. So I would imagine, you know, if you kind of like touch on that a little bit, because like, I think everybody's wondering, like, how did this dude play wide receiver? And I would imagine when you were teaching, there's probably, 
a very minimal amount of students who ever gave you any problems, right? <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. No, none of the students, you know, gave me any problems. I always got respect, you know, when I entered, you know, the door. But you know, I give everybody respect, so you know, you expect that in return. Um, but for me, from a small country town, you know, there's nothing to do, you know. So for us, it's just always, you know, just outside um, playing. And for us, playing, throwing rocks, you know, throwing bricks, climbing trees, you know, monkey bars, things that, you know, kind of prepared me, you know, for the weight room, prepared me for sports. And in high school, man, for fun, we trained two or three times a day. You know, we coaches always had the weight room open and that was just our thing. Me and my friends, you know, we were always passionate, you know, about the weight room. So, you know. When I got to college, you know, people were like, oh, man, you're a grown man. Like, you know, you're not a freshman. You yeah. know? So for me, it's just, you know, genetics played a you know, huge part in that, you know, as well. I think it come from, you know, a great family, um, gene pool, you know, size. But nice. you know, just for me, just always, you know, just being around, you know, picking something up heavy and putting it down. That's been my <laughs> thing. And so once yeah. I got into college and got to the weights, it's just, you know, transformed even more from there. Yeah, having a training table and you know being able to train and lift whenever I want to. Yeah, it's amazing when those opportunities are provided. You know what I mean? It's like any any yeah. and you attach obviously the work ethic that you that you had coming from Clio. You know, I think that's a that's a that's a decent combination there for sure. Well, yeah. Um, so one thing I want to get into because obviously you know you've got you got a couple things that we had talked about prior to starting the podcast. Some of the work that you're doing with baseball and you're super passionate about that. So prior to getting into that, you obviously is football the only sport that you played in college or, or like organizationally? Did you also play baseball at one point or another? In your life? No, so, yeah, my life. So, baseball is the first sport that I ever played, you know, growing up. Uh, And I played baseball from about seven years old up to, like, my ninth grade year um, in high school. And football was, you know, my second sport, you know. So, I kind of chose football um, over baseball because I could see myself, you know, going further in football because, you know, you have people around you that say, oh, you're a way much better football player. You need to stick to football, stick to football. And so, it kind of made that transition to, you know, do – football full-time but yeah. baseball was my first sport and yeah that's awesome that's awesome yeah baseball is great i was wondering because i'm like well you know obviously you're working with baseball um you know middle tennessee right now and you know there's obviously you know obviously i never played football i played baseball but i worked in football so that's kind of interesting yeah. it's kind of like all right you have to figure out ways to create buy-in coming from somebody who's never actually played the sport so um yeah but it's it's interesting i think baseball presents itself with a ton of different opportunities as far as training methodologies and different different ideas and things that you can go with so um yeah why don't we why don't we dive into it you know let's, let's get into some of the things that you've been passionate about and obviously you've been digging into over the past couple of months or, or years or so that you've been and obviously with middle tennessee baseball um you know talking specifically about managing fatigue and trying to identify different things and different measurables that you can take a look at and see if there's any correlation between you know fatigue performance some of the things you're seeing in the weight room and some of these other variables that you're trying to test out to see if there is any connection um why don't you just take us through like where this all started and kind of how you started thinking about this and then you can get into some of the deeper stuff as we go through Oh, yeah. Yeah. So definitely. So for me, it all started, you know, in the weight room was just I was coming in, just evaluating the guys, just seeing how they move, um, you know, throughout the fall, you know, going through uh, periodization schedule and then, you know, coming in. And so one day, you know, we had a couple of guys. It was only like 75 percent, you know, on the bar. And I was just watching them. I was like, man, like that's moving very slow. Like, you know, mm-hmm. and so. Then I start studying and diving deeper, looking into things, you know, and start, start to understand that, you know, sometimes things change, you know, where there's life stresses, you know, they're fatigued, they had a long, you know, practice day, you know, 
a long game um, weekend and coming in. So now that 75% may not really be 75 for them today. It's actually like 90, you know, because, you know, they're fatigued. And so then we start to have an idea of, okay, well, let's see, can we test and see when guys are starting to fatigue? So we started out, you know, with uh, baseline, you know, test home uh, to first base. And we calculated those times. And then from first base uh, to third base and calculated those times. And so then each week, um, before practice, coach would have them, you know, do the test again. And we started comparing the times with, you know, the weight room and to see, all right, well, so this guy right here, he's moving weight in the weight room well. He's running well, you know, on the field. Let's see if his performance, you know, will showcase that. And then we could tell that, all right, with certain guys, their times are down, you know, and so that carried over to the weight room to, all right, now we're going to adjust your percentages, you know, because you're showing those signs of fatigue. And just through all of that, you know, guys started to be more in tune with their bodies. You know, they would tell you, hey, coach, you know, I'm not feeling it, you know, today, you know, I'm feeling fatigue or, you know, I don't even think we need to run the test day because I know my time is going to be slow, you know, because <laughs> you know, my legs feel like, you know, they're heavy. You know what I mean? And so for me, just having an idea and just saying that it works for us, you know, that kind of in the end season, we kind of transition, you know, from the periodization you know, because it fluctuates, you know what I'm saying? So now we just prescribe the sets and reps and uh, we have like the relevant intensity charts, you know, and so guys, they know that and they understand that and they have an idea of where they should be based off, you know, the rep scheme. And I can walk around with my sheet and see, and guys are basically, you know, right at where they need to be. And sometimes some guys are a little below and I ask them, hey, why are you below your numbers? They all, oh, you know, I'm feeling, you know, fatigue, you know, and so it just, you know, creates that awareness for guys being tuned in their bodies. I'm telling them that, you know, you should know your body more than I do. You know? And so just having them create that awareness, you know, is is being a showing a lot of difference, you know, a lot of improvement, you know, guys there are starting to, you know, recover better, you know, because they understand and they can feel the onset, you know, other fatigue and then we're testing it as well. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I think what one of the most interesting things about it, this is kind of like a separate rabbit hole to go down. But I think, you know, obviously, you know, during your time in college, I think a lot of strength coaches almost like over provide in terms of I'm going to have everything set up for you as far as like everything is everything is like dictated out. It's like you show up all of you know, the whole weight room is going to be set up for you. You don't have to even set anything up as far as like weight room stuff goes, as far as exercises, whatever. I'm going to tell you specifically what exercise you need to perform. I'm going to tell you exactly how many reps. I'm going to tell you exactly which weight you're going to be using for each one of these sets. And what happens is it's almost like by the time the college athlete is done with their particular time, you know, their three to four years or whatever it may be, are they any better off, right? Do they have the information that they need to be able to go put together training plans for themselves and to be able to live a healthy lifestyle and understand what they need to do once they actually get into the weight room? I think, I don't know what the percentage would be and it would probably be an interesting study to go through, but I think a lot of them, at least in my experience, when talking to athletes who are post, you know, collegiate and, you know, done with their playing careers, they don't feel that way. You know, they, they're still looking for guidance. They're seeking out other avenues and other platforms to try to figure out, all right, I need guidance on this. Like, how do I, or it's like, you just spent four years with someone who's considered a specialist in that craft. And did they truly teach you anything as far as what you need to do once you actually like how to operate in the weight room, how to think about these things. But I think just initially without really getting too deep into it right off the bat, you're providing that education that you identified that you wanted to provide early on in the podcast, right? Like early on yeah, in your career, definitely. like I was going to be too, like you're giving them the education. It's like there's autonomy and there's ownership over your training. Um, 
because you obviously you're letting them know like, Hey, we're, we need to be aware of what the body's giving us on any given day. And it's obviously going to change from time to time. Is that you want to touch on that a little bit? Is that something that you feel has definitely been like almost like a, almost like a byproduct, maybe something you didn't even really think was going to be a positive from, from this managing of stress that you guys kind of went through. It was like, all right, well now our athletes are going to be more informed, you know? Oh yeah, definitely. You know, definitely something that I didn't, you know, think about, you know, I was just thinking about, all right, how can I best set them up for, you know, success? Yeah. And that's how kind of it all started. And then now, you know, guys are just, you know, have that buy-in, you know, they're come to me, you know, with different things, you know, that they have ideas, you know, about, and it's a partnership, you know, with mm -hmm. me and them, because they know that I have their best interests in mind that, you know, mm -hmm. I want to see them be successful and I want to set them up for success outside of these, you know, four walls um, in the weight room and on, you know, the playing field. And so. Yeah, that's really interesting. Kind of, you know, so you, you'll have guys who come up, come to you like, cause, cause obviously I'm assuming like once you've communicated the system that you're going to go with and obviously certain, you know, rep ranges and you've got some periodization models that you're looking at and the player starts to fully understand. And, and obviously at some point or other, you explain this to them, like, Hey, here's how we're going to be going about gauging whether or not you're ready and, you know, ready to play and how, you know, what we do here in the weight room and some of the things that are taking place on the field perform from a perform performance perspective correlate once you explain that to them and they had a deeper understanding of it, you're probably like, they're, they're going to start get, to get to a point where it's like, all right, we understand this system. Now I have context. I can actually provide some ideas to Rendrick and I can actually go to coach and be like, Hey, you know, I knowing what, now I know what you're looking for. Here's what I think I need. And here's what I think I can help. Is that kind of like the partnership that you've described taking place that's kind of formed from this? Oh yeah, definitely. You know, the partnership that we formed, um, you know, so during the testing this past fall, you know, I had two guys doing a training session and they came up, there's like, coach, today's my day. Like I got to hit a PR, like today's the day I feel it, you know, and they both hit, you know, PRs. It wasn't a, you know, a test day, you know, per se, but it was their day, you know, to a PR and I let them go for it. And they were just, you know, so excited about it. Now, if we would have waited, you know, two weeks later when we were actually doing the testing, they not have hit those numbers because that day may not have been, you know, their day so I kind of try to take their approach like you know if the athlete is moving the weight well and the technique is there and it's perfect and they're feeling it and the day is their day then you know I'll allow them you know to go for it and I think that it creates like a lot of ownership and a lot of trust you know for me and them and then so anytime you know I come down with you know different things you know they buy into it you know instantly because they know that I'm trying to help them you know get better and not just a okay well we're just going to do this today just to do it they know that it's you know thought out yeah, I think that's totally different than the typical model of like, hey, we're going to have, you know, this is this is the plan I'm putting together. I've got like an intro load week, base load, shock load, D load, test week, whatever the case may be. And, you know, the team is just going to have to follow suit. And then obviously you get this mixed batch of numbers because basically, you know, it's like you said, if you had waited two weeks to when like the whole team was going to test, um, you know, maybe it wasn't those two players days on that particular day, right? Like maybe it's a, yeah. it's a completely different ball game and now you don't really have, you know, and it's not even just from a, it's not even just from like a, a data collection standpoint, just from the idea of like, all right, those kids knew that like they felt comfortable enough to go to their coach and say, Hey, like I'm feeling good today. And like you said, they know their body better than anybody else does. So you're, and, and based on the framework that you provided for them and the information, they're able to make those decisions. Now they're able to understand like, Oh, so this is what I know I'm feeling when I'm feeling good. All right. This is what feeling yeah. good feels like. This is what feeling moderately good feels like. This is what feeling bad feels like. Right. Like I think there's that, yeah. that partnership, like you said, that, that gets created. Um, and so talk, talk to me a little bit about like the actual, 
testing itself like what what how did you guys you and like the, the baseball coach actually come to the consensus of like what you were going to test how often you test these things and then you know kind of like the consensus you came to when you started to realize like okay this is where we can actually gain some understanding of whether there's a correlation between these tests and on-field performance kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, so for me, it kind of, you know, started to where um, I talked to him about the idea that, you know, I wanted to, you know, manage the fatigue, you know, other athletes and just try to establish, um, you know, a baseline. And he actually had the idea of doing the, you know, the, the base running, you know, mm -hmm. test. That's a good and idea. so then, we started doing that and then it came to, well, when we start the end season, that may not be as feasible. Is there anything else, you know, that we can do differently, but still, you know, try to test and manage the fatigue. And that's where in season, we transitioned to the vertical jump test using um, the vertical jump mat and trying to get a power output, you know, so we do their, um, their weight and then the vertical jump height, and then it gives us um, a power output. And then for us, you know, we manage it, you know, from there. So a guy comes in, he jumps, you know, 31 inches one day. And then the following week, you know, he's at 28 inches. Um, and so then it gives us a different, you know, power output based off his baseline. So for us, green, you're 100%. Yellow, uh, you're like 94, 95. And then, you know, below, below 90%, you know, you're in the red. And so from there, you know, we kind of can see, you know, when guys are starting to get a fatigue. And then from there, we kind of transition, all right, does these numbers that we're seeing, you know, on the vertical jump, you know, test, does it match the play, you know, in practice or in the games? Um, is that bat speed, you know, affected, you know, are they're cognitively affected on the field, you know, their decision-making, are those things, you know, affected? Is the pitcher, is this uh, speed down? Is it speed up, you know? And so we kind of go from there trying to have a whole, you know, plethora of information that we can use and trying to see, you know, when guys are peaking, you know, when they're starting to show the fatigue. Because on the flip side, you know, some guys come in and their numbers are through the roof and, you know, they go out and guy smashes two home runs, you know. And so is it a correlation? Does it go hand in hand? You know, we don't know. It could have just been, you know, that that day, just a coincidence, or, you know, there could be some crossover there. And so those are things we're still looking into and studying and, you know, trying to figure out, you know, as much as we can about it all. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. But just to go back, one question I have for we could go, what, and, and I think I know the answer to this, but it was, I also think it's impressive. Why do you think the baseball coach um, was not a fan of the base running tests in season? And decided like it's like interesting that the sport coach made the decision right and like the kind of like the audible like hey like this probably won't be feasible in season we'll need to kind of go with something that has a little less of a of a stressor on the on the athlete in order to gain some information but like what why why do you think he went with like what was his explanation for that I mean because I mean I, I can't agree because you know in the fall you know we have the time we have the time to put the work in and try different things you know within in season you know guys right now they're playing four games you know a week and so four games a week, you know, on top of practice, then on top of, you know, running a first to, you know, third baseline test kind of be, you know, a lot. And so probably would increase more fatigue than actually, you know, managing it. Right. Yeah. It's like, are we, are we actually tracking fatigue and like trying to manage it or are we just like providing it like indirectly? It. Yeah. <laughs> yeah by, by like not really knowing. Yeah, exactly. No, that's awesome. Um, so I've got a couple things here and I think that this is really interesting. So, it's, it's what I think is really cool is that you specifically took like 
categories and constraints of the actual sport in order to decide whether or not there was have there was an effect being had whether positively or negatively um specifically you mentioned bat speed uh cognitive decision making you know the, the miles per hour like what's on, what's on what's showing up on the radar gun for a lot of our pitchers um one question i do have have you come across many situations where guys will have like a low readiness score but they'll go out there and just have a great day and they're just oh yeah yeah does that happen often yeah, it happens a lot of times, you know, and it's because some of the guys, they're, that's all they've known is just to push themselves and redline, you know, every single day. <laughs> baseball is a number sport, you know, and so they chase those numbers, chase those numbers. And then for some guys, it has minimum effect on them. But then for others, you know, you can see, you know, the effect that it has. But we have guys that come in and, you know, they have, you know, lower readiness scores, but, you know, they still, they go and they push themselves in the weight room and then go out and have, you know, great games as well, you know. So yeah. you definitely have those outliers. And those are the guys that just, you know, typically, you know, always your weight room warriors, guys that are typically going to push the limits every chance that they get. Yeah, yeah. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of baseball guys are like that, I feel like. It's yeah. just, you know, it's the same thing when I was at UConn. Like baseball guys are just, hey, they like to train. Like, they like to get after yeah. in the weight room. There's just, you know, something there. Um what have you found as far as like decreasing, you know, velocity or increasing velocity with pitchers and their readiness scores? Is there any, I guess we can kind of like get into, you know, that could like kind of preface us getting into now, like what are some of your findings, right? Like what have, have you guys been able to, I don't know how long you've been doing this, but have you been able to kind of come to a consensus on certain things when it comes to some of these metrics? Are there uh, specifically when it comes to bat speed, um and pitch miles an hour because like those those things are obviously measurable i think like decision making and the cognitive stuff is a little bit more there's a little more gray area there but specifically when it comes to like bat speed and then obviously the the velocity that these pitchers are throwing at have you guys been able to find anything or create any correlation between some of the data that you found as far as their readiness stuff goes and their performance oh yeah like for for us it found that you know we've actually sprint the pitchers you know and so just mm -hmm showing like the, the sprint time. So the faster the sprint times, you know, have gotten for the, the pitchers, like the faster their pitches, you know, have been. And so in the past, the pitchers never really, you know, did any sprints. And so now that we have them, you know, doing those sprints and it's, you know, carrying over to them, you know, actual, you know, having more velocity on their pitches. That's really interesting, actually. I, and I, I, so, so the the pitchers won't. Will they also test vertical jump, or the pitchers will specifically just test their ten yard dash? Or are you saying like the whole team is going to test their like a ten or twenty yard dash, and, and that's just kind of where you're finding some of that information? Yeah, yeah the whole team tests their 10, 20 yard dash, and then we find it. But the pitchers they do the vertical um, jump test as well. Okay. Um, so what we're trying to do is trying to see, you know, when guys, you know, are peaking. Because, you know, the, the coaches, they have their, their Friday starters, their Saturday starters, you know, their mm -hmm. Sunday starters. And so the thing is, is trying to see, you know, what day, you know, is this guy, you know, really peaking at? Yes, he's a Saturday starter, you know, but man, like, he seems like he's ready, you know, for, you know, a Friday um, start. So those things that we're trying to get into, but, you know, haven't gotten there yet, you know, because a lot of times, you know, you're just trying to, you know, stay to a, you know, a set routine and just try to get guys as ready as possible for those days that, you know, that are going to go out there, you know, and pitch. And then other days, you know, they're trying to decide, you know, which guys are, you know, going to hit the mound. And so those different metrics, you know, that we test can kind of give them a better idea of, okay, well, this guy right here is peaking. Maybe we should, you know, go with him on this day for the start. 
Wow. All right. Yeah, that's that's wildly interesting. Well, before before we go before we go that route, um, I do. So just to clarify for our listeners, so the like when you're out of season, you guys will do some different base running tests as like one of your metrics, right? Or one of, just one yeah. of the, like you know little tests that you guys will run uh, for test retest. And then once you get in season, it'll be vertical jump off the just jump mat, and it'll be 10, 20 yard dash, and that goes for everybody in the team. Are there any other? tests that you guys are running or are those is those two specifically in season no those are the only two um, that we're doing okay. okay that's awesome and so yeah so now kind of getting into how yeah how 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 are you guys like making some of these like alterations or like you said like you want to get to a point where it's like all right hey maybe this guy's more of a friday starter as opposed to a saturday starter um that's really interesting and and, and it's probably really tough to do obviously because there's a ton of other factors that you would probably need oh, yeah. to factor in outside of just like all right this guy's you know t- 20 yard dash seems to be locked in today which means that typically this results in an increase in velocity but obviously there are a ton of other factors that factor in obviously like what, you know, is he a lefty, is he a righty? How does that match up against some of the, you know, with the lineup that you're facing and things of that effect. Um, how is that, how has that played over with like with the coach and have you guys made some of those decisions with like position players as well, based off of bat speed um, and have, have some of those things taken place even with some of the pitchers? Like, is that, is that, are you guys getting close to doing that? Uh, no, not yet. You know, I feel like there's, you know, probably light years away, you know, from actually, you know, getting to that, you know, because you have your guys who, you know, you know, they're going to, you know, have their starts, you know, whenever, um, just based off, you know, a skill set, you know, and so just trying to just make sure that those guys are prepared as possible, trying to make those decisions we want to get there, but haven't gotten there yet, you know, so everything right now, is, I guess I could call it your beta phase, it's your test out different things and see, you know, what's going to, you know, be best. Yeah, for sure. And then how do you guys go about some of, so now getting into some of the stuff that's a little tough, I feel like it's pretty tough to measure. Maybe you guys have a better way of doing it, but the, the cognitive and the decision-making, like, is that more of like a conversation that you're having with like coaches and athletes? Like, Hey, we see your numbers are down. This is also decrease your ability to, you know, make decisions or react off the ball. Um, and after, after, you know, the Batman concept makes contact with the ball and we're, you know what I mean? Like, is that like, are you guys kind of just like watching film and making decisions on things or are there specific ways that you're measuring that as well? I don't know. So just kind of like watching from, you know, practice standpoint, guys reaction times, you know, from like stealing bases, you know, things like that from where, you know, a guy would typically, you know, get from first to, you know, second. Now they're getting thrown out, you know. So, you know, is it that, you know, he has a delay in that, you know, reaction time, you know. So just different things. We're just trying to, you know, watch from a coach's eye and just kind of see and make, you know, adjustments or assumptions from what you're seeing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I was gonna say because that's it's got to be tough to measure some of that stuff. I think they're oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, like yeah. that's that's pretty challenging. But it's cool that you're looking at those things because obviously they are a massive part of what takes place in baseball is the, is the decision making, right? Like obviously you you know when you're when you're hitting, you have a very very minimal amount of time in order to produce a ton of force and make decisions based off of what you're you know what your pitch what the pitcher's giving you and the pitcher himself obviously has very minimal amount of time to produce a ton of force and throw the baseball as oh, fast yeah. as possibly can. Definitely. in a specific location um yeah so that's that's really interesting stuff um what i was gonna what i was gonna ask though now so it's like you have all this stuff right and you have these conversations taking place um have like 
where would if the if the baseball coaches would describe like what his level of confidence and like some of the testing and retesting is based on, like does he solely base it off of whether or not Middle Tennessee State University baseball is having a good season or are you guys constantly like in understanding that you know sport performance in general is a very variable and you know multifactorial discipline and, and there's a lot going on right or or is he like where where does he stand on some of this stuff and what's some of the feedback that he's gotten from you on like how he feels about the success of what you guys have been trying to accomplish? Oh, you know, well, for him, his aspect, you know, he understands there are a lot of different, you know, variables and, you know, he's getting to the point to where he understands, you know, what we're trying to do for the performance standpoint to have, you know, the athletes ready. But in the, the day, his biggest thing is, can they play baseball? You know, I get it. You know, guys want to, you know, be fast. They want to have these numbers, but, you know, can they play baseball, you know? And I can respect that, you know, at the end of the day, God may not have the best measurables, you know, but he's a heck of a baseball player and he's going to go out there and he's going to make plays. He's going to do everything, you know, you ask of him, you know, so kind of, you know, those things, you know, go hand in hand. Like, yeah, you may have guys that are testing well, but at the end of the day, in his eyes, they can't really, you know, play yeah. baseball, you know. Yeah. So that's the aspect you know, that you run into um, there. You can have the athletes, you know, prepared and have them, you know, recover, you know, each and every day. But mm. if they can't really play the sport, you know, how yeah. useful you know does it really mean that at that time yeah it's a good point right might as well as like as like kira always says kira when i'm uh he's always like yeah just be a phd in your sport you know what i mean at the end of the day yeah. it's probably going to be the one thing that gives you the most amount of at least the, the the potential to be successful so um as far as you know some of the the stuff that that you do find how, how long how long have you been doing this by the way like how long have you been working with middle Ten and how long have you been working specifically with baseball and trying to implement some of this stuff Oh, yeah. So I got to Middle Tennessee in January of 2020. Um, oh, so, okay. so I went through um, the fall uh, with them and then during uh, the pandemic, uh, things kind of got, you know, shut yeah. down, uh, shut, shut down there. But yeah, so January 2020, and I kind of started doing this uh, fatigue management stuff um, in 2021, you know, so in that fall um, because we couldn't use uh, the weight room. A lot of things that we had to do was kind of, you know, outside just because of, you know, the pandemic stuff. And so that's when kind of, you know, it all started, you know, it was just trying to, you know, find different ways to make sure that we had them prepared, you know, but I think that it was a great opportunity, you know what I mean, for not being able to actually, you know, be inside the weight room because it forced you to get creative, you know, and try to find, you know, different avenues of trying to, you know, increase the athlete um, preparedness. You know, so a blessing in disguise in a way. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah it's kind of tapping that creativity a little bit. Um, when it comes to actually, like what what you've actually seen as far as results in season, uh, in terms of increases in power output, increases in overall strength, maybe, and obviously increases in, um, you know whether it be pitch velocity, bat speed, you know, being able to cover more ground in a shorter amount of time, um, just overall, you know, like baseball specific speed. Um, I guess my question is like, have you seen these increases in season or is this something that you've typically seen more out of season? Like, are, and if you have seen these increases and in, in improvements in season, what are some of the things that you would kind of attribute you know, that to? Like, what are, what are there specific things that you try to implement in season and ensure that you're not just maintaining qualities and that you're trying to improve some of these specific metrics that they have to be able to perform with on the field? Yeah. So for us, like a lot of the things improved wise we've seen, it's been out of season, you know, mm -hmm. in the fall ball, you know, in season, you try to do your best, you know, 
to maintain because and then at that point, you know, it's all about, you know, winning games, you know. So a lot of the time that, you know, we spend in, you know, is definitely trying to increase everything um, in the fall. And then once we get to the spring, get to the end season, this is just about, you know, maintaining, not necessarily trying to. You know, you some people do see, you know, increases, you know, but for the most part, it's trying to not, you know, increase more fatigue, but just to manage it. Sure, yeah. So are you still – are you in the, in, you know, once we get into the spring semester, are you still sprinting guys and like trying to do some like small exposures to like power output and, and speed and things like that to try to just make sure that you're still maintaining some of the qualities that you built up in the fall? Oh yeah, definitely. You know, so our things that we, we definitely, you know, still sprint in season because I don't want the guys, you know, to get to the game and then their first time, you know, they're hitting a sprint is when they hit a right. ball and trying to go from, you know, home to first. And that's the fastest that they've, you know, move, you know, I mean, mm. all week, you know, so we still try to hit those things so that, you know, a lot of times, you know, their body is prepared to handle those, you know, different in-game changes of speed. Yeah, absolutely. That, that, that protective mechanism of just letting their body know, hey, I need you to be able to operate and stay coordinated and intact yeah. when you're, when we're about to move at this speed. Do you do, like, as far as the, the actual off-season speed work, do you typically try to stick to some more just like linear based work, or do you even get into some like specific types of sprint work that would reflect some of the angles and some of the, you know, obviously like base running itself is obviously like sprinting in baseball is a very specific way you need to go about doing things. There's definitely some, um, some variability there. Do you try to dive into some of that stuff or do you typically just keep it still you know typical track and field style you know 10 20 yard linear sprints oh yeah yeah we do like a track and field style 10 20 yard linear space but we also you know try to do a change of direction where you know we try to run different angles uh, try to on the football field set up cones who are we trying to mimic um you know base running you know things that they're going to do you know in their sport because i feel like you know all athletes need to be able to you know start stop accelerate decelerate change direction, you know, so right. we try and incorporate, you know, all of that in the fall to prepare them, you know, for the season. So we do a lot of different change of direction stuff that try to mimic them as far as a base running aspect and for, you know, a lot of our infielder outfitters, you know, for them adjusting, you know, laterally to trying to, you know, make a play, you know, on the ball. Yeah, no, that's really interesting. I think I think that that's one of the more interesting things about baseball is that like specific variability. I think one one question I have, and this is kind of like a whole separate rabbit hole. We don't need to get too into this now, but um, specifically like when a, any sort of position player is coming across second base or they're coming to second base, they're supposed to turn their head and pick up their third base coach prior to making a decision on like whether or not they're going to go to third or whatever is going to take place, you know, from there based off of what's happening, maybe a ball is hit in the outfield. I've always wondered if there was like a, you know, some sort of way that you can touch on that quality where it's like you're sprinting, but you're also working on sprinting and trying to like, work with a head and like maybe even like a slight torso turn and your brain and your eyes need to obviously pick up something else that's coming, coming your way. Obviously there's a piece of information coming, right? Like it happens, it happens like that. Like it's super oh, yeah. quick. You know what I mean? And it's just like, but I always wonder, I'm like, there's gotta be something to that. I don't know if it's like a problem in baseball or anything like that, but there's gotta be, there's a skill involved in that. And obviously there's specific like sprint qualities that are involved in that so i wonder if that's like a a variation of sprinting you could employ like you know with with baseball where it's like you're sprinting you're rounding a base but also like having to like turn your head and your torso and like pick up some piece of information prior to making your next decision which is all happening you know like i said the blink of an eye i, I don't know if you, is that is that something that you've thought about or is that kind of just like way off like way off topic there <laughs> oh no nah, i mean it's not way out top it's definitely nothing that i've you know kind of you know thought about myself mm -hmm. but just you know off top of my head you know to the question i could you know 
think of some ways that we probably, you know, train that quality as far as, you know, just the mimic that base running, you know, where you set yourself off kind of where a third coach base would be, you know, have a colored flash card and they got to yell out, you know, that color as they're, you know, running there. I think that could be an aspect where you could kind of, you know, train that from a training standpoint. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what I mean. Like, I feel like that would be a good idea. That's yeah. definitely an interesting way to go about it. Um, well, I know you've got a meeting in five minutes, so I do want to give you a chance to, before we wrap things up here, um, specifically any resources that you have come across that you feel like have really like, it could be people, it could be a book, it could be a podcast, anything specifically that like you, um, you know, want to tell the listeners about and give them access to that you think would kind of enhance their, their overall library. And then uh, also tell people where they can find you as far as like your social media and all that stuff. Oh yeah. Uh, for me, um, I've been diving into a lot of stuff, you know, like Eric Cressy, you know, I feel like, you know, he's a, you know, great resource um, for coaches. And so that's one of the places, you know, that I go to and try to study um, a lot of his, you know, information. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And then where, uh, Eric, I mean, yeah, Cressy is definitely a great resource, especially for all, all things, baseball, all things like overhead athlete, pitchers, shoulders, everything. So yeah, definitely in the right ballpark yeah. there. No pun intended. Yeah. Um, but, uh, the, uh, Zach for, Chant, I think that's how you pronounce his name. Oh yeah. I, I I've come across, I don't know how to pronounce that correctly. So somebody, whoever, one of our listeners wants to correct that for us. We, we appreciate yeah. it. But yeah, I have, I've come across that name as well. Um, and yeah, and where can people find you on social media or get in contact with if they have questions or they want to chop it up about some other, you know, baseball concepts or football concepts? Uh, what, where, where can people get you? Yeah, reach you. Uh, yeah. So I'm on Instagram, um, Coach Taylor underscore five. Uh, that's my Instagram handle. So feel free to follow me, uh, send me a message and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Yeah, you can check Coach Taylor out uh moving some really heavy weights <laughs> very oh, yes, in a sir. very casual manner too <laughs> i'm like damn dude that, that that looks like it would be a real problem for me if this dude's just warming up with it so yeah no nah, it's yeah. good to it's good to see that stuff well um yeah man honestly rendrick i really appreciate you hopping on uh i want to let you go so that you can actually get the meeting on time and i don't want to put you in a bad position to yell at by anybody so thank you for your time um i will definitely be in contact with you soon once we get off here and uh, you get out of that meeting but um thank you and uh yeah if you have any last words that you want to say to the listeners now is your time oh man thank everyone for listening in uh giving me an opportunity you know to get on here and talk shop today and i appreciate you absolutely Rendrick. all right well i'll be in touch with you soon and uh yeah for the listeners we'll catch you guys next time